is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, and water you turn. Sing out your name. Your name, the mountain shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. People cry out. 
the name of Jesus, we believe we are saved. Amen. See, you were the word at the beginning.
cover yourself. He is sufficient to cover your life. Sing that simple prayer.
of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Through him all things came into being, and in Jesus all things hold together. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in his, dwell in his son, and through his son and the blood that he shed on the cross, to reconcile all things to his father by the peace that's been provided through the provision of the Son's life himself so that you and I could experience the wholeness, the shalom of God in our spirit, in our soul, in our mind, in our body, in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our families. And so right now, this morning, just lift your hands and receive the provision of Jesus as a family, the overwhelming provision for whatever you carry, whatever you need this morning. It's in Jesus. The Apostle Paul, one of the first crazy missionaries of the Jesus movement, he said, no matter how many promises there are, they're all yes and amen through Jesus Christ. So Lord, we stand as those who don't come with a bunch of things in our hands to impress you, but we come with empty hands raised towards heaven to say, Father, fill us with the provision of your son this morning. Come on, if that's your prayer, just say, Jesus, fill. Take my emptiness, take my brokenness, take my sin, take whatever I came in this place carrying. And I just thank you for the divine exchange this morning, Father, that we bring our brokenness and our ashes and you give us beauty and you make us whole. We bring our sins, our sicknesses, and our sorrows, and you give us salvation that touches our spirit, soul, mind, and body. Father, thank you for the provision of your son this morning. We just receive it. The provision of Jesus. The good news of God's grace with skin and bone on. Jesus. Jesus. Just say his name, Jesus. He's a real person, family. He's not a theory, some mystical spirit hovering somewhere. He's a man at the right hand of a father and a throne of glory of whom all the nations will bow from the highest king, emperor, or ruler to the lowest person in a slum somewhere. And all in between, every knee will bow before this man, King Jesus. And they will acknowledge the wisdom of the Father for installing him as the king of all the earth. They will bow and confess. And this morning, Father, in Santa Maria, as your church, we bow and confess the lordship and the universal reign of King Jesus. Jesus, the Lord of all, heaven and earth, 
through whom all things came into being and in whom all things are held together. If your life is in shambles, fall into the arms of Jesus and be held together. You don't have to fix yourself first. Just fall in his arms this morning. What a powerful name. You sing it out, church. Come on. What a I surrender. Like a mighty storm, like a mighty. 
Surrender to him. Sing that one more time. I surrender. Yes, we do. I surrender. I want to know you. Because I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Thank you, Jesus. Just not in a hurry, Lord. We spend our whole lives running from thing to thing, sport, work. We just press in through surrendering to you, Jesus, this morning. We love you. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Can we all voice our agreement together this morning? Amen. And amen. Let's live the Lord a shout. He is good. He is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. You can be seated. Love. Good morning, you guys. You guys are looking good today. Good job, everyone. You all woke up, made yourselves look awesome. Um, we're about ready to take the offering, so if I could get some ushers kind of getting ready. Looks like you guys are already on it, so you guys are awesome. If you're, this is like your first time here, then don't worry. You don't have to give us any money. We're just happy you're here. If you come all the time, you should probably give us money because that's how we run everything, and that's how we buy you donuts and coffee. So, I mean, come on. All right, so we're going to pray really quick, and then you guys can pass out the buckets. God, I just thank you that you've brought us all together today. I thank you that you care for each and every one of us. I thank you that we get to just be a family together here. And God, I just pray as everyone gives, God, I thank you that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, God. And I thank you that you bless back a hundredfold, God, what we trust you with, God. And I thank you that you are trustworthy as we give into your house, God, that you bless us back. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, you guys. Um, we have a little video we're going to show you real quick. today if you're like pretty young can you just give me a shout out really quick okay we got like a like two or three people awesome so um what we're doing um on friday nights we have like teenagers that go in the gym and make a mess and run crazy and uh we're gonna take all of those teenagers to this conference so this is a youth and young adults conference and so it's gonna be incredible as you could see i mean there's gonna be crowd surfing there so anyways um the best part of this, though, is that this is a time where kids get to just get away and just hear from God and just kind of be in an environment where it's kind of like different than what they're normally exposed to. 1,500 students going crazy for Jesus. And so I am really excited about this opportunity that our young people have. It is in Vacaville, California, and it costs $250 per student. And we have really close to 30 students that are excited about going. So we are going to be doing a lot of fundraising to try to provide for all of those kids. Most of them do not have the money to go themselves. And so if anyone wants to sponsor a student for 250, we would just be so happy that you would want to do that. Um, but what else you can do if you don't have the 250 is today we're going to have a bake sale out in the lobby. And so as you're leaving, you can just kind of like throw some cash at the kids, put it in the bucket, take some sweets and some really like sugary stuff home with you. And it's going to be amazing. And that's how you can support the youth. And then we also have a fundraiser coming up next. Um, Sunday night, there's going to be a band. Uh, one of our youth volunteers is in a band. It's a bluegrass band, and they play all over the Central Coast, and he's offered to do a fundraiser for us, so he's going to play here. And so you guys come out. It's free, but then we're going to take an offering for the youth at the Delio, and we're going to be selling food. So you guys come out for that. It's next Sunday night, 7 to 9. Where's, where's, where's the person that's doing the other announcements? <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to be handing this off to someone. <laughs> oh, is it me? Do I have to do other announcements? Welcome to Cornerstone. I got some news for you. new at Cornerstone or just looking for a way to get plugged in, please sign up on our Connect card and put it in our offering bucket as it goes by. We would love to partner with you here at Cornerstone. In the bulletin, there's prayer requests where you can write down your prayers, and we'd love to see answered prayers come forth. So please write it down, put it in, into the offering bucket, and pass it by. 
You like music? Well, come here and you can experience the McKinley Boy Band by helping out and supporting the youth go to an encounter conference. You like kids? Well, from ages zero to three in the nursery, I could sure use some help to be a team lead to oversee the nursery. Please let me know if you're interested. Thanks. How about the kids? Kids come forward, yeah? Give a hand to the kids. Come on, kids. Lots of kids, lots of families. This is awesome. Why don't you pray with me if you want to extend a hand and just agree with me. Father, we just thank you. You said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Lord, I just pray that uh, revelation would fall upon their heart and their mind this morning, that they would encounter and experience you. They would leave changed and transformed and hungry for more of Jesus this morning, Lord. I pray for their attention spans. I pray that they would engage more than ever before. I pray for a true connection with each other. I pray they would go home and just seek and ask questions and bug their parents so their parents find answers. I just ask for your grace this morning fall on the children. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory in your Jesus' name. Oh, come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Let's give a holler. We love our kids. It's fun to be a part of the family of God, is it not? Is anyone else excited about what's happening around here in the life of our church and the lives of our people? If you're one of those, can you shout amen? Well, for those of you who are new, again, we're not trying to be a broken record, but we know um, how much courage it takes to go to a new place of, of which maybe you don't know a soul. Maybe they talk a lot about a guy maybe you've heard about in theory named Jesus and you're just like, what is going on? And I just want to again just tell you thank you for having courage. It does take courage. Amen. Remember when you were a first timer? Um, in any context at work, your first day at work or at school, there's that, that place of anticipation. And, and I just want to say as... as uh, just uh, one of the pastors here, Pastor Chad, um, um, and on behalf of my wife and I, Haley, we just want to say thank you for taking a risk, and we trust that you are going to encounter, and you already have been encountering the goodness of God. And what, what our theology is really simple around here, we believe the goodness of God is not just a theory, but it's been wrapped up in a person, and his name is Jesus. That perfect theology is revealed through the perfect Son that expresses all that God the Father has ever wanted to say to all of humanity, yea, all of creation he's spoken through his boy. And you and I gather week after week after week on into eternity around the reality of which Jesus has made available for all creation through his love and through his grace. 
And so if you're a first-timer um, or a second-timer or whatever, to all of you, welcome to the party. The party of which Jesus is the head. And you and I are all invited to sit at his table. So that's a pretty good invitation and a pretty good introduction, so I'll dive right in. But if you have any questions, find an usher or a greeter. Talk to me after service. Any questions about who we are, what makes us tick, what we're about, and how you can plug in. How many know life is too hard to go it alone? Come on, somebody. That was pretty weak. It's way too hard to go it alone. But praise the Lord, you don't have to go it alone. And so um, if any, any way we can serve you or help you connect to Jesus or purpose or family or community, please talk to us. Well, um, for those of you who know, I am training for a marathon, like many, or several. And uh, you may think, what kind of nimrod would train for 26.2 miles? And you'd be thinking correctly. I believe anyone who signs up for a marathon or half marathon it experiences a temporary moment of insanity. Um, so you should pray for me, and then I'll pray for you after you pray for me. Um, but as I've been training, and many of us have been training for this run with clean, for clean water with Team World Vision, um, there's been several lessons the Lord has been unfolding as we've been gearing up for the big race on March 18th. And um, you may be here thinking today, like, who would enter a race like a marathon? You've got to have something loose in your head. And again, you would again be partially right. And so today, I want us to just reflect on this one idea. Which race are you training for? And which race do you find yourself running today? You may immediately push back and say, no, Chad, I'm not really running a race, but I would contend it's never a matter of if you're running, but how and where and to what end you are running after. Every single person in the world, which encompasses you and I in this place, has some desired end, has some vision of the good life, some telos, something that you go to bed thinking about and you wake up early, you check that thing that drives you, we call it purpose or vision. Every single person is running in a race. Whether your race as a, young, as a young guy or young gal is to be a starter on your basketball team or soccer team, or if it's getting the perfect match for a spouse, I'm sorry, she's already taken. or whether it's getting into the best and brightest school or landing the perfect job or keeping the perfect job, come on somebody, getting the raise, writing the perfect song or the best-selling hit or novel, increasing your bottom line for retirement so that you can get the bigger, better, brighter new toy. Am I describing anyone here today? Some or some other aim, the fact of the matter is we are runners. We run after something and then usually can spend our whole lives running after that thing only to discover at the end whether or not the race was worth it. But the Christian faith, <clears throat> humbly but excitingly, 
offers you not just, I hope, grit my teeth and look back on a life running after God and in his purposes, but all along the way, participating in his race and in the kingdom of God's story, you find meaning and purpose at every turn. Through suffering and sorrow or sickness, some of you could bear witness to the goodness and grace of God in that thin space. To the moments of ecstasy and cruising on the mountains or flying on the wings like eagles. And all in between, if you run the race that matters, you don't have to wait to the end to discover its amazing adventure and purpose. But all along the way, it's an ever-increasing discovery of the goodness and grace of God in Christ. So the ultimate question for us to investigate today is not are we running, but it, the, the reality is what race am I running in? And one of the craziest, most faith-filled runners in the early days of the Jesus movement was a guy named Paul. Paul was a crazy man for Jesus. And on several occasions, he compared life following after God to a race. Now, a little bit of backstory about Paul. I'll read the end of his life word. And how many know, usually it's at the end you can really, it's, when, it's not when people are kind of filling the air with fluff. They're sort of given the best of what they got before they pass. This is the Apostle Paul who found himself in a prison cell writing these words about, he knows because the Spirit has showed him that his life is about to be taken from him. And here are his words to his young protege that he's raising up, a guy named Timothy. He says this, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, if you're taking notes. I have fought the good fight of faith. That should tell us something about faith and the nature of it. It's a fight. If you agree, say amen. amen. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Now, I don't know about you, on any day of the week, that would be a decent testimony at the end of your life. I have fought and I have not been overcome by the setbacks, the adversities, the difficulties of life. I have fought in the midst of a polytheistic culture where there's lures of the flesh and darkness and so many narratives that are vying for your affection and my attention. In the midst of this incredibly difficult and complex time in which there's an emperor on a throne, but there's one that I worship who is on a higher throne who also is called the Son of God named Jesus. To be able to say that I fought that fight of faith and through it all, I've never once given up or given in. And the one who I faith in never gave up or gave in on me. And he goes on, I have finished the race. And if you know anything about this crazy first century runner for Jesus, you know that his path had all sorts of barriers and obstacles, maybe like yours today shipwrecked, nights in the open sea on a plank of wood, sleepless nights, his stomach like mine right now, super hungry, growling and groaning after days being famished, being robbed on the streets by bandits, being thrown into prison by his own people, being betrayed by those who started with him in his ministry only because of the, the scandal that Paul often brought because he was so bold for Jesus. So Paul knows a little bit about a race, and his race, like maybe some of yours today, is not easy, but I'm telling you, in Jesus, you, like this first century runner, can say, I ran the race, and I have kept the faith. What a testimony. 
So the question is, what does this first century running man, why would he run in the race that he ran in? Why not just go and settle, if you know anything about this first century crazy runner Jesus guy named Paul, you know that he had everything going for him under the sun. He was educated at the right school, the equivalent of the Harvard of his day. You can read Philippians chapter 3. He was trained under the brightest and the best rabbi of his day. He knew the law forwards and backwards, and because he was from the tradition of the Pharisees, he knew the additional laws that were buffers to the already a lot 613 laws. I mean, this guy was the cream of the crop from the right side of the tracks, everything going for him in his life. Provision would have been there, prominence and his reputation would have been there, but what was it about this man that so altered his life that instead of running in that story, and how many know that story is very common to many stories today? Go to the right school, just get the right job, be respectable. There's nothing wrong with going to the right school and getting the right job and being respectable. Amen? It's just if it's the only thing with no awareness of the why you get up and do what you do, and the ultimate thing is that who do you do it for you? Is it for you or is it for him and his glory? But what altered the path of this first century crazy running man? Well, on one occasion, when he was living out his cultural narrative script, this devout, religious, zealous for God man, as he was on his way to, because um, he thought Jesus was a joke, like many, until they meet him. Come on, somebody. That the Jesus movement was, should have been snuffed out. And, and, and if you know anything about the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, there's 400 years. There were several people who claimed to be the king, and they came, and they came with their violent revolutionary movements. And they tried to set up God's kingdom through the force and coercion and violence. This is just history 101. Hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, many claimed to be the one. And so Paul thought, no, this is just another fake wannabe. And he's on the road, on the path to arrest those who claim that Jesus is Lord because he knows, no, he's not. Because Judah the hammer from a couple hundred years earlier wasn't Lord. And on his way, he meets Jesus. Which meeting Jesus is always a problem if you think he's a joke. And scripture tells us, you can read it, I'm not going to get into it because I have a point of the message here. But one encounter with Jesus took this man from running a race that would have ended in death and in darkness and in separation from God. One encounter with the risen, ascended, reigning, ruling Lord Jesus forever altered the path of his life. And he would spend the rest of his life, maybe 25, 30 years until his 50s or 60s, whenever he passed on as a martyr running around the entire known world declaring the good news of the one that he saw on that road to Damascus. One encounter with Jesus changed not only the race he was running, but the reason he ran. One encounter. Now why in the world, after one encounter with this man, would he think that there was no cost too high, no sacrifice too great, no journey or task that would require more of his strength mentally, physically, and spiritually? 
that he would yea, risk his life, a great commentary is found in Acts chapter 20. Write it down on your notes and go check it out later. That he would consider even his life as nothing. He had to run the race and declare the goodness of God's grace revealed through Jesus. It was so intense that his whole life was wrapped up in and radically oriented around the call of God in Christ. You're like, dude, I am a stay-at-home dad or mom. I, am, I work in a cubicle. I'm a construction guy or gal, a nurse. What in the world? This doesn't have anything to do with me, and I would humbly beg to differ. For Paul, when he met Jesus, the call to run meant something specific. He was an apostle, which is a big fancy word for a sent one. And he knew, even though, yes, he was like you, he had a regular job, he was a tent maker. And in fact, if you read your Bible, which I strongly recommend, it's a really good book. You find that Paul actually central to him fulfilling the call to run the race that God marked out for him. How often the door through which he could see the purposes of Jesus break out was his vocational door. What does that mean? He would go from town to town, and you know what he first would do? He would go to where his work, he, he viewed his work not as a distraction. Come on, somebody, this is good news for us. But his, door, his work was a door through which the mission of God could come forth. So he would go to hang out with the other tent makers. And today, if you're thinking, I'm not going to run around the known world, that's crazy. Well, maybe you won't, maybe you will. Come on, somebody. But your work is not a distraction. Your work is one of the main ways you run the race of meaning and purpose and through which God wants to show the world his goodness and grace. He had to get the word out. Jesus has a way of changing everything for the good. If you agree, say amen. And from those early days of Christianity, runners ran all over the world. And here we are in 2018 wasn't our idea to come to Jesus. How does anyone come to Jesus? Read Romans 10. Through someone announcing the good news of his, of his grace. And you and I, because one man was so ravished by the grace of God and the call of God on his life that he stopped running every other race down every other path and he ran the race marked out for him with a full-on abandon to the call of the God who said, run, and you and I could trace our little spiritual lineage through the faithfulness of those who have picked up that baton, think about a race metaphor, and have continued to run and continued to embody and continued to announce the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And it's so hard for us in our cultural narrative, it's all about being a self-made man or woman and pulling your own bootstraps. The gospel of Jesus tells a different story. You and I were helpless and hopeless apart from God, but God in his faithfulness has raised up messengers for thousands of years to go at all cost, at all risk, so that he could get the good news out and declare that in Christ, God is remaking the world and he's starting with people like you and me. And it's in moments like these when we pause and we reflect, which race am I running? What is my why? Why do I get up? What is the purpose that pulses through my veins? And I'm telling you, you may not have an answer for that right now, but you can in just a few minutes. No matter where or which race you've been running on today, 
this crazy runner Paul has another word for us. You may think, Chatty, I'm in my 50s or my 60s or 70s or 80s or any 90s. Don't raise your hand. Or maybe your 20s or your teenage years, and maybe, maybe your life and your race that you've run has just been a race of getting the bigger and the brighter and the shinier. Maybe it's just been about being a decent person that pays their taxes. All these are good things. But inside your bones, there is this longing and this ache for more. Am I talking to anyone here today? There's this longing and ache that I know everyone's got to work and have family and jobs and all this, but there's something, there's something behind the what I do which gets at the why I breathe. And you may be thinking today, there's no way I can run the race that the Apostle Paul ran or that thousands, yay, millions have ran since him. This race of faith, this race of being a person that's been ravished by the good news of God's grace, and this person that through whom God announces his grace to the world. Uh, Chatty, I, it's too late for me. My feet got blisters. My knees don't work like they once did. Well, the Apostle Paul, the crazy running man, has another word for you today. That is that if anyone is in Christ through faith, you become a brand new creation. You may think this is elementary. No, this isn't A of the ABCs. This is A through Z. Without the hope of the gospel that remakes humanity in their sin, their struggles, their tragedies and triumphs, the gospel of good news. And this is why Paul risked his life and, yes, gave his life. Because they, the world lives under a narrative that says you are what you've done and there's no hope for you. The world lives under a narrative that says it's about what you can do to make yourself great and your name big and your name in lights. But the gospel comes breaking into that narrative and says, no, you put your faith in him. You don't got to work some special formula up. I'm going to give you a new start, a new name, a new purpose. I'm going to give you new running shoes because you got a new race to run through me. Anyone who comes to Jesus 2 Corinthians 5, 17, becomes a new person. That's good news for somebody in this place. By trusting in Jesus, you today can become a new person. And you can run a new race with new purpose and new family. Later on, the running man, again, towards the end of his life, the Apostle Paul says this. Maybe you're sitting here stuck in regrets about your mistakes or your sins or the mess you've made, your dashed hopes or your heartaches. In Philippians 3, 13, he says this, I focus on one thing. Someone say one thing. That was pretty weak. One thing. Forgetting the past, I look forward to what lies ahead. Come on, some of you, your neck is bent and looking in the wrong direction. You're looking back at that. The only thing that, the only hope for that is the goodness and covering of God's grace. And the only hope for your present and your future is the covering and empowering of God's grace. And so the Apostle Paul, this running man who loves to use this, this race metaphor for the life of following Jesus, he says, I'm forgetting what's behind or the past, and I'm looking forward. And here it is. Here's the invitation to run. I press on. Someone say press on. Come on, somebody. I press on to reach the end of the race so that I can receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus, is calling me forward. 
You may be thinking today, man, I don't know, I've said the Jesus prayer, but now I'm just sort of cruising on the sidelines. I'm telling you, you're missing out on the 99% of the goodness of the gospel. The 1% is, is that it immediately covers you. Well, that's probably more than 1%. But the, the glory of following Jesus is that every step, every breath has eternal significance and purpose. Yes, even changing poopy diapers. Come on, somebody. Come on, you don't want that stinky thing walking around your house. To forgiving instead of fighting, to pursuing reconciliation instead of resorting to fragmentation. Every choice we make along the path, along the race of following Jesus, the one who left heaven and pursued us and won us by his grace, every moment becomes an opportunity to experience the glory of God through the grace of Christ. So today, don't let your regrets, your sins, or struggles, don't let anything keep you stuck from believing that your time has passed. The gospel definitively says today, there is no time like today to experience a new day. Come on, that was a good preaching on accident right there. You see, here's why it's good news. Scripture also tells us, you know, in case you're all freaked out about the running metaphor, get over it. I ran 15 miles yesterday, so it was on my mind. A little. Jesus had a race to run. If you agree, say amen. amen. The end of his race or his finish line was the cross, where he would die to save the world from running meaningless, temporary, fleeting, futile races, where at the end, the heart of humanity would be found wanting, longing for more. Jesus ran his race even though his race at the end of which had a gruesome death. Scripture tells us in Hebrews 12 that he ran that race of sacrificial, self-ifting love, crescendoing on a cross that belonged for criminals and rebels of the empire. Jesus saw his end, and it tells us in Hebrews 12, he ran it with joy in spite of the cost, in spite of what he knew it would mean for his life because he knew if he was faithful to his race, you and I could be saved from running lives that are worthless and aimed at things that at the end of which we're found with the question, is this all there is? Because he was faithful to run his race. And at the end of his road was death. But how many know we as believers in Jesus, death does not have the final word. Three days later, the Father and the power of the Spirit says, enough already. The race is won. And in the power of God, the Son who ran perfectly, never stumbling or bumbling, but focused on the prize of which the Father called him, Namely, all of creation brought unto alignment to himself. Because of his faithfulness, you and I can experience radical transformation today. Through death, Jesus defeated death so that those who believe in him and who stake their lives on his transforming grace will not experience death as the final word. Come on, that's good news. Because we serve a vindicated, resurrected Lord who ran and finished his race, life is the final word. Here's the good news. Jesus wants you to experience that life right now. 
and on into eternity where there is no shelf life or expiration dates. One of the things I'm learning as I'm running is my body at 30, almost 34, doesn't work as good as it did at 16. Come on, somebody. I heard, wait till you're 60. Thank you for encouraging your younger brother. Your money may run out, your strength wear out, your resources depleted, but the life and the race that Jesus calls you to run has no end. Because he was faithful to run his, you can be faithful to run yours with him at the center. Therefore, since we're surrounded by millions of people, the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us in the faith, the writer of Hebrews tells us, let's strip off every weight that slows us down. Come on, some of you are trying to run carrying 50-pound bags in both hands. Bags of regret, of habits that are not life-giving, that are death. With regret to your past, with fear and anxiety about your future. And the, the idea of running is crazy to you. It's because you're trying to run a race carrying things you were not designed to carry. And so the writer of Hebrews says, dude, quit running. I mean, how silly if you saw me running yesterday, if I was trying to run 15 miles, trying to pull my CRV in neutral. Because I am not that guy on ESPN, okay? Look at me. I'm 195. I got no, almost no muscle. Okay, I'm, and I'm not looking for false. I, anyway, I'm a good runner, so praise the Lord. The writer of Hebrews, through the Holy Spirit, says, throw off everything that's slowing you down. And what if 2018 was the time to run free and light under the grace and transforming love of Jesus Christ? And the only reason he tells us to throw off those sins and to throw off those weights is because there is a great cost to running the race. If you agree, say amen. I mean, the Apostle Paul would tell us it, ain't, it wasn't easy to get to that prison cell and to be able to write the words, I finished the race. So there's no way you and I can make it if on the journey we're holding on to a bunch of extra baggage. Let us run with endurance. Come on, at mile four, I was like, why is my knee hurting? At mile 10, I was like, I'm way too far to stop now. There is a race that he's calling us into, but that race takes discipline that race takes endurance and perseverance. Come on, somebody. The, the, the message of grace is not just receive this and live how you want. Grace will reconstruct your life if you let it. Turning you from selfless, selfish to self-centered, me-focused, to selfless, humble, loving, compassionate. And it's not about gritting your teeth and trying. It's about dying to yourself and receiving the provision of his grace every single day. And ultimately in the race, we do not win it just by looking at the end of the line. We look at the one who is Jesus. It's time for new running shoes because you and I, beloved, are being invited in 2018 to run a race of consequence, and that matters. Now, bear with me. This is very uh, pastoral. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's six Ps you got to get. So get your pins out. Come on. These are lessons I'm learning from running, and I think they're applicable. So here we go. They're going to be quick. Number one, one thing I've learned is if you're going to run the race well and you're going to make it to the end, listen, the race God's calling us to, it's not about who finishes first. Can I get an amen? It's about who finishes faithful. 
Come on, how you run is almost as important as that you run. Number one, I've, I've discovered, and this is good news of the gospel today. When you run, you got to think about pace. Someone say pace. What I realized, man, if you run out the gate, I can do three miles at an eight-minute or lower or faster pace. But I, how many know 15 miles is longer than three miles? And so if Chatty runs like he normally does, charging that three-mile easy run, there's no way I got gas in the tank to make it. Translation for the gospel and for living today. Pay attention to the, 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 the pace with which you run. How many know God gave us Sabbath? He gave us a day of rest on purpose. How many know there is a rule and a rhythm to life that you and I are meant to attune to the rhythms and the movement and the, the, the working of God's grace and the daily, ordinary, mundane activities of your day? And if you're in such a hurry from thing to thing to thing, you will miss the beauty that he wants to reveal as you learn how to pace yourself on the journey. Come on, what's that famous quote? It is a marathon, not a... Whoever said that clearly has never ran a marathon. So pay attention to pace. What is your life? What's the pace of your life right now? Are you frantic? Are you frazzled? Can you today say, Lord, I want to run the race and I want to learn the lesson of pace, running in a way according to the season I'm in so that I can make it to the end, pace. How many would say, I need to work on pace maybe a little bit? Do I got any honest people today? Pace. Number two, I'm learning this as I run, that running on hills is a little bit harder than running downhill or on a flat plane. So out of pace, you gotta pay attention to the place. Someone say place. I've discovered that it's a little bit easier to run in about 60 degrees than it is to run at 45 degrees. Pay attention to place. Where are you on the race that you're running? Are you experiencing an uphill battle? Well, don't look and get discouraged by seeing someone who's running their sprint speed on a flat ground. Pay attention to the place and receive the grace that God has for you in that place. So many of us are like, man, I'm in this season and I feel, you live in this constant cycle of guilt and regret because you don't pay attention to pace and place. And I want you to know God is the God of the mountains and the valleys. Come on, somebody. So wherever you're at, do not feel, get rid of that guilt. I should be, receive his provision in the place you find yourself because his grace knows how to find you no matter where you are. Number three, I'm learning people. Come on, someone say people. The race is best run with others. Who's in your pack, your posse, your crew? Who's the one you call when things break down or when your knee or your calf cramps up? Come on. When you cross the milestone, like I did yesterday, I've never ran 15 miles. That's the farthest I've ran. I called friends, I called family, and they told me I was amazing. <laughs> Who are those that you look to when you finish and at the, at the end of the line and you look to embrace? I'm telling you, one of the biggest things I learned training last year after I ran the half marathon, and there were 25 crazy thousand people who drank the Kool-Aid as well for some reason and decided to run obscene amounts of miles and training and reorienting their whole life to finish the race. That'll preach. I realize that when you're surrounded with people, there is a grace release that you will not discover alone. That's just the way God designed it. He designed us to run with others. And today, maybe you're like, I got no one in my life. We'll start today. Take the risk. You're 
if you're a freaked out introvert or the most annoying, boisterous outrovert, extrovert. It doesn't matter who you are and your personality makeup. You need people. And our desire is to be a people that run the race together. Come on. Number four. Come on, we're almost there. Progress. Someone say progress. You know, I learned I didn't start running 15 miles a day. So many of us get bogged down because we think about our beginning and we think about our end, and we miss the moments of celebrating the progress of the journey. This is where Christian community is invaluable. Those people that know your sins and struggles that are there when you confess, that are there to see you find, discover, breakthrough, and graduating to the next level of faith and trust, of insight into the scriptures. Listen, the church of Jesus Christ must become a place where we celebrate the big and the small things so that we live in a constant state of courage and encouragement. And we are making progress. I'm learning that, man... It hurt worse at 10 Listen, you and I have to begin to celebrate all of the seasons because every season has something of God's goodness to reveal to us. Progress. Realizing that in our current situation, God has more for us just around the bend. Number five, someone say perseverance. They all start with P's if you're writing them down. How many know the race gets tough? Can you just say Amen. And it will require guts, and it will require, require grit to keep going. We'll just come right out and say it. We will not make it to the end. There's a billion scriptures. I'll give them to you if you want after the service. Without perseverance, we will not make it to the end. Without staying in the fight, without quitting. Again, it's not about who gets there the fastest. It's about who gets there faithfully. It's that simple. Everything worth dying for and ultimately, I would argue, worth living for is costly, but it is worth it. If that bears witness, can you shout amen? And ultimately, finally, someone say purpose, the final P. Listen, when I get really grumpy and my wife could tell you that's hardly ever. Okay, quit laughing. It's not <laughs> polite. When you find the purpose for which you run, the pain, the sweat, the tears, not that I cry, the aches and the pains, when you find that we're simply running after the one who <laughs> ran after us, at great cost, you realize that it's really not worth anything getting in the way of you and the call of God on your life to run the purpose. Conventional wisdom says, no, on your race, keep that tight, white-knuckled grab on your things and on your health and on your stuff and just terminate everything on yourself and just live with this poverty, my, me mindset. But how many know there's something greater than conventional wisdom? It's called kingdom wisdom. And the king of the kingdom says, if, actually, if you want to run a race of consequence that matters, the more you give your life away, the more I pour out life on you. It ain't no name it, claim it. It's as central to the gospel teaching as anything. You gain your life 
when you give it away, when you lose it for his sake and for his glory, when you join the Jesus team of self-emptying, sacrificial love, in that posture and out of that purpose, you and I will discover a life worth living, a life worth dying for. That is a purpose that's worth getting up early, training, eating well, and yes, even discipline to overcome any obstacle life can throw. It's a race worth running. So where do you find yourself at today? I'm gonna have Leah come and we're gonna come to the table because unlike almost anything, how many know when Jesus wanted to tell us what he was doing by going to the cross and finishing his race, he didn't give us a bunch of theories, he gave us a meal to partake in. Amen? He said, this is what it looks like to partake in my love. My grace is as elemental to your existence as bread for your stomach and wine or juice for your lips. What I am making available to you is like eating bread. It's like drinking from the cup. And so I'm going to ask the team to come forward and just consider this the invitation to run a new race. If you want to come serve communion, please come on up. You say, Chatty, I don't know, dude. I'm running a race. There's no way to turn around. Yes, there is. There's always a way. How many know Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? So consider yourself this morning invited to run the race. The race that Jesus ran first and has made a way and and has invited all of us to run with him. So, Father, I thank you that as we celebrate this meal and as we respond to the gospel of God's grace that saves us from running a race that at the end we would regret, filled with remorse, but, Lord, right here, right now, you give us a new purpose, a new race to run that flows from your very heart to us. And may we, like the Apostle Paul, that crazy running man in the first century, be able to say at the end of our days, we have fought the good fight of faith. We have run the race and we have kept the faith. And now he goes on to say in verse eight, there is in store for me a crown of glory that Jesus himself will hand me when I see his face that will never perish spoil or fade. You know, that's one of the most powerful pictures in all of the Bible is of a father running to his estranged son. Remember that story? In a culture where it was completely undignified, totally against every cultural norm, this parable Jesus tells us is the parable of the lost world. And in it, the most poignant picture of God's grace is seen in love. When the son who comes home and shambles because of his sins and all of his terrible decisions, he runs with his speech for the father, trying to tell him how much of a mess he's made and he's ruined his life. And before he can finish this script, the father is busy kissing him and hugging him and loving him and throwing him a party. And so I want you to know, no matter what state you're in today, there's a father with open arms that says, I'm running after you 
to embrace you and to remake you from the inside out, to give you a new garment, a new robe, a new purpose, a new identity, and to feast with you. How many know that is the good news of the gospel? What's so significant, at the end of his life, the Apostle Paul says these words, and I close. He says, I only know in Acts 20, 24, in every single city, the Holy Spirit tells me this might be the one that might cost me my life. But the Apostle Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I have to finish the task that God has given me to declare to everyone the good news of God's grace. You know, you can run after a lot of things, but I would contend today, the race that alone is worth running is the one that looks like declaring and living the goodness of God's grace for all humanity. I mean, to think of giving your life for anything else than being someone who's been ravished by that grace and someone who wants to live to just declare that grace of God to all humanity. What a race worth running. If you agree, say amen. Stand with me. I just want to send you with this blessing. And we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Afterwards, if you have anything you have in your heart or life that you want prayer for. receive these words as a benediction and Leah will just keep worshiping and just have a time just to sit in the presence of God. Jesus said these words in John 10, receive this, I am the gate or the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they'll find pasture, which is just a picture of God's provision and protection and goodness. Yes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But come on, somebody, the thief doesn't have the last word. But Jesus has come that we could have life and have life to the full. So my prayer for you, church family, is this, that you would go in the fullness of life, that you would run this week, that you would catch the wind, the draft of the goodness and grace of God, and you would find yourself scaling hills that you thought were mountains until you got to the foot. You would be able to run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint, because you would not be running your race, but His race. You would not be running out of your strength, but His grace. And you and I will come back next week with stories to share of the progress we've made through Jesus together this week. All in favor, say amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Have an amazing week. And don't forget all the things we've got going on. Come forward for prayer if you'd like.